Welcome to the History AI Podcast, where the past comes alive with facts, anecdotes, and a dash of humor. Here are your hosts, Chuck and Marco. Welcome back, history enthusiasts, to another episode of the History AI Podcast. I'm Chuck, your guide to the past. And I'm Marco, your fellow time traveler. Today, we're delving into the life of a man shrouded in controversy and intrigue, Marcus Junius Brutus. Ah, Brutus. The man who gives new meaning to the phrase watch your back. Absolutely, Chuck. But was he a cold-hearted betrayer or a misunderstood patriot? Let's find out. So, Chuck, what was happening in the world during Brutus's time? We're talking about the late Roman Republic, a time of political upheaval, civil wars, and a lot of backstabbing, sometimes literally. That's a world that would make even the most cutthroat corporate boardroom look like a kindergarten. Absolutely, Marco. To paint a clearer picture, this was a period marked by the struggle between two political factions, the populars, who sought support from the general population, and the optimates, who represented the aristocratic interests. And where did our man Brutus fit into this political tangle? Brutus, initially influenced by his family's optimate leanings, found himself increasingly aligned with the populars' ideals, especially under the mentorship of his uncle, Cato the Younger, a staunch defender of the Republic and critic of Julius Caesar. Speaking of Caesar, this era was also dominated by his rise to power, wasn't it? Indeed it was. Julius Caesar, along with Pompey and Crassus, formed the first triumvirate, effectively dominating Roman politics. Caesar's conquest of Gaul and subsequent civil war against Pompey dramatically altered the Roman political landscape. And all this was brewing while Brutus was in his formative years, right? Exactly. The Rome that Brutus grew up in was one where the traditional republican values were being challenged by the emergence of these powerful military leaders who commanded immense loyalty from their armies and the populace. So, we're looking at a time of great leaders, monumental battles, and seismic shifts in political power. A fitting backdrop for the life of someone as complex as Brutus. Precisely. It was an era where the lines between friend and foe, patriot and tyrant were constantly blurred. This context is crucial to understanding the decisions Brutus made later in his life. A stage set for drama, intrigue, and the eternal debate over the essence of power and morality. A perfect storm for our story of Brutus. Couldn't have said it better myself, Marco. Let's turn the pages back to the early chapters of Brutus's life. He was born in 85 BC into a family deeply entrenched in Roman politics. His father, Marcus Junius Brutus the Elder, was a respected politician and a governor of Macedonia. And his mother, Servilia, was more than just a high-profile Roman matron, right? Absolutely. Servilia was not only politically influential but also famously known as one of Julius Caesar's lovers. This relationship would later add layers of complexity to Brutus's story. Talk about a tangled web. But Brutus's family history has more to it, doesn't it? Indeed. The Junii family, to which Brutus belonged, had a long history of political service and a reputation for staunch republicanism. This background played a crucial role in shaping Brutus's ideals and values. And wasn't there a tragedy in his early years? Tragically, yes. Brutus's father was killed when Brutus was just a young boy, a victim of the political turmoil of the times. This event had a profound impact on Brutus, thrusting him into a position of responsibility at an early age. He was raised then by his mother and his maternal uncles, right? Correct. 
one of his uncles, Cato the Younger, was particularly influential in Brutus's life. Cato was a staunch defender of the Roman Republic and known for his rigid moral integrity. He instilled in Brutus a deep respect for Roman traditions and the republican form of government. So, from a young age, Brutus was surrounded by figures who were deeply involved in the political machinations of Rome. Exactly Marco. This environment was a crucible for shaping his political beliefs and ambitions. It's no surprise that Brutus grew up to be a person of strong principles, given the influences around him. Seems like Brutus was practically destined for a life in politics, given his family's legacy and the mentors he had. Destiny or not, these early experiences undeniably set the stage for the complex and often contradictory path Brutus would walk in Roman history. Fascinating. It's like every piece of his early life was a puzzle piece leading to the Brutus we know in history. And what a multi-layered puzzle it is. Now, let's delve into the talents and achievements that distinguished Brutus in Roman society. Contrary to the singular image of a conspirator, he was a man of many facets. Right, he wasn't just a politician, there was more to his story. Absolutely. Brutus was renowned for his intellectual prowess. He was deeply engaged in philosophy, particularly the Stoic school of thought. His philosophical inclinations weren't just theoretical, they influenced his approach to politics and life. A thinker and a doer then. How did this reflect in his career? Well, for starters, he was an accomplished orator. In an era where public speaking was a key skill for any politician, Brutus stood out. His speeches were known for their persuasive power and eloquent delivery. So he could charm the toga off a senator, so to speak. In a manner of speaking, yes. But beyond words, Brutus also had a knack for finance. He managed large sums and was involved in currency reform. His skills in this area were so notable that he was entrusted with overseeing the minting of Roman coins. That's quite the responsibility. Anything else in his repertoire? He was also a writer. While not much of his work survives today, ancient sources tell us he wrote extensively on history, philosophy, and possibly rhetoric. Sounds like he was the complete package, brains, eloquence, and financial savvy. Precisely. And let's not forget his military achievements. Brutus proved himself a capable military leader, commanding armies and winning crucial battles, notably during the civil war after Caesar's assassination. So, a philosopher, orator, financier, writer, and a military commander. Brutus was more than just a senator, he was a renaissance man before the renaissance. Well said Marco. His multifaceted talents and achievements make his eventual role in Caesar's assassination all the more intriguing. Definitely. A man of such depth and complexity surely had his reasons for every move. As we delve into Brutus's tenure as a senator, it's crucial to understand the complexity of the Roman Senate during his time. This was an arena of intense political maneuvering and power struggles. And Brutus wasn't just a backbencher in this arena, was he? Far from it Marco, Brutus was an active, influential figure in the Senate. His tenure was marked by his advocacy for the Republic and the rule of law. He consistently opposed the concentration of power in the hands of a few, especially as he witnessed the rise of figures like Caesar and Pompey. A true believer in the ideals of the Republic then? Precisely. Brutus often found himself at odds with the populist policies of the Caesarian faction. He was deeply concerned with preserving the traditional checks and balances of the Roman political system. But he wasn't just a critic. He also had his own vision for Rome, right? Exactly. 
Brutus championed the idea of empowering the Senate and restoring the authority of republican institutions, which he felt were being eroded under the autocratic tendencies of the triumvirs. So, he was more of a reformist than a revolutionary? Absolutely. He wasn't looking to overturn the system but to strengthen and preserve it. His approach was to work within the framework of the existing political structure, advocating for reforms that aligned with his vision of a balanced and just republic. But it wasn't all smooth sailing for him in the Senate, was it? Not at all. Brutus's political stance often put him in precarious positions. His opposition to the likes of Caesar made him a target for political retribution, yet his lineage and standing in Roman society provided him a certain level of protection and influence. So, he was a man walking a tightrope of political intrigue and personal conviction. Exactly. His time in the Senate was a testament to his ability to navigate the treacherous waters of Roman politics while staying true to his beliefs. It's this very aspect of his character that makes the events leading to the Ides of March all the more fascinating. Indeed, Chuck. Diving into Brutus's political beliefs, it's essential to understand the ideological landscape of the late Roman Republic. Brutus was a staunch proponent of republicanism, shaped by the Stoic philosophy he embraced. Stoicism in politics? How did that play out for Brutus? Stoicism, with its emphasis on virtue, duty, and control over one's emotions, deeply influenced Brutus's political outlook. He viewed the moral integrity and ethical responsibility of leaders as paramount. This philosophy guided his opposition to what he saw as the moral decay and authoritarianism creeping into Roman politics. So, a moral compass in a world that was increasingly losing its way? Exactly. He was particularly concerned with the erosion of the Senate's authority and the imbalance of power. Brutus's vision was to restore the Senate's power as a counterweight to the executive authority, which he believed was overstepping its bounds under figures like Julius Caesar. A bit of a constitutionalist then? You could say that. Brutus championed the idea of a balanced constitution, where power was not concentrated in the hands of a single individual or a small group. He feared that the Republic was sliding into tyranny under the guise of populist reforms and military triumphs. He wasn't just thinking about the present then, but also about the future of Rome? Indeed. He saw the long-term stability and prosperity of Rome as being rooted in its Republican values and institutions. For Brutus, the preservation of these principles was worth fighting for, even at great personal risk. It's interesting that his beliefs put him in direct conflict with someone like Caesar, who was seen by many as a champion of the people. That's the irony, Marco. Brutus's commitment to republicanism led him to oppose Caesar's centralization of power, despite their personal relationship and Caesar's popularity. It was a clash of ideals Brutus's vision of a republic of laws and principles versus Caesar's more pragmatic approach to governance. A classic case of ideals versus reality in the political arena. Precisely. This ideological divide set the stage for Brutus's involvement in one of history's most infamous acts, the assassination of Julius Caesar. That's quite the setup for what's to come. Brutus's military career is another facet of his life that deserves a closer look. While he's often remembered for his political and philosophical pursuits, his role as a military leader was significant. A senator and a soldier then? Indeed. Brutus first showcased his military capabilities during his early career. His first notable military service was in the East, where he served under Pompey the Great during the late 70s and early 60s BC. So, he started under Pompey. 
That must have been quite the learning experience. Absolutely. Serving under Pompey provided Brutus with invaluable military and leadership experience. But his most crucial military role came later, during the period following Caesar's assassination. Right, the Civil War. That's where he really stepped into the limelight as a military commander. Exactly. After Caesar's death, Brutus, along with Cassius, became leaders of the senatorial forces against the Caesarian faction, now led by Mark Antony and Octavian. This period was marked by a series of conflicts known as the Liberators' Civil War. And Brutus wasn't just a figurehead in these battles, he was actively leading and strategizing, right? Precisely. He took command of the army stationed in Macedonia and later in Greece. His leadership was instrumental in several key battles, including the siege of Xanthus and Lycia. That's quite the shift from the Senate floor to the battlefields of Macedonia and Greece. It shows the range of Brutus's abilities. He was not just an intellectual and a politician but also a competent military leader, capable of commanding large armies in complex situations. But despite his skills, things didn't quite go as planned for him, did they? Unfortunately, no. The war culminated in the twin battles of Philippi in 42 BC. Despite initial successes, Brutus's forces were ultimately defeated by the combined armies of Antony and Octavian. A tragic end to his military career. Yes, and a turning point in Roman history. Brutus's defeat marked the end of Republican resistance to the rise of what would become the Roman Empire. So in a way, Brutus's military career mirrored the fate of the Republic he so cherished. Indeed Marco. His life in the military was a reflection of his unwavering commitment to his ideals, even in the face of overwhelming odds. Now, let's delve into one of the most intriguing aspects of Brutus's life, his relationship with Julius Caesar. This relationship was multifaceted and evolved significantly over time. It's like something out of a Shakespearean drama. Exactly, Marco. Initially, their relationship was quite amicable. Caesar was a close friend of Brutus's mother, Servilia, and it's widely believed that he may have been Brutus's biological father, though this is more speculative than factual. Talk about a complicated family dynamic. Indeed. But beyond personal connections, Caesar and Brutus share a professional and political relationship. Caesar recognized Brutus's talents and potential early on, and he actively promoted his career. So, Caesar was a mentor to Brutus? In many ways, yes. He entrusted Brutus with important responsibilities, including the governorship of Gaul during his absence. But as Caesar's power grew, so did the tension between his autocratic style and Brutus's republican ideals. A classic case of mentor and protege finding themselves on opposite sides of the ideological divide. Precisely. The turning point came with Caesar's appointment as dictator for life. This was antithetical to everything Brutus stood for. He saw it as a death knell for the Republic and a direct contradiction to the Roman ideal of shared power and governance. That must have been a bitter pill for Brutus to swallow, seeing his mentor take such a path. It was more than bitter, it was a call to action. Brutus, despite his personal ties to Caesar, felt compelled to act in the interest of the Republic. This internal conflict is what eventually led him to join the conspiracy to assassinate Caesar. Brutus's decision to turn against Caesar was not just political then, it was deeply personal. Absolutely, Marco. It was a decision that weighed heavily on him. It represented a conflict between his loyalty to Caesar, the man who had been like a father to him, and his unwavering commitment to the Roman Republic. 
a tragic conflict of heart and mind, personal loyalty versus political ideology. In this conflict is what defines the enigma of Brutus. His role in Caesar's assassination is often oversimplified, but when you understand the depth and complexity of their relationship, you begin to appreciate the profound dilemma Brutus faced. It paints a picture of a man torn between his affection for a father figure and his duty to his country. Exactly. The Ides of March, a date that has become synonymous with betrayal, but the story behind it is far more complex than a simple act of treachery. It's the climax of Brutus's internal struggle and a pivotal moment in Roman history. So, what led Brutus to that point? It wasn't a decision made overnight. Far from it, Marco. The political climate in Rome was increasingly tense. Caesar's declaration as dictator for life in 44 BC was seen by many, including Brutus, as a moral threat to the Republic. The fear was that Rome was sliding back into monarchy, which it had fought hard to escape. And Brutus, with his deep-rooted Republican values, found himself at the heart of this crisis. Exactly. The decision to assassinate Caesar was not just about removing a dictator, it was about what Brutus and his fellow conspirators saw as saving the Republic. They believed that with Caesar gone, the Republic could be restored to its former democratic glory. It sounds like a desperate measure for desperate times. Indeed, it was. The group of conspirators, known as the Liberatories, was composed of senators and politicians who shared Brutus's vision. Brutus, often described as hesitant at first, was eventually swayed, perhaps by the realization that political dialogue with Caesar was no longer possible. So, on the Ides of March, the 15th of March, 44 BC, they struck. That's right. The assassination was meticulously planned. Caesar was lured to a meeting of the Senate at the Theater of Pompey, where the conspirators were waiting. And Brutus played a significant role in this? He did. Despite his past close relationship with Caesar, Brutus was among those who delivered the fatal blows. This act was symbolic, it was Brutus's final, irrevocable commitment to the Republic over the man who had been a mentor and, possibly, his father. Et tu, Brute, these famous words, allegedly uttered by Caesar, encapsulate the shock and sense of betrayal. Whether Caesar actually said those words is debated by historians, but they've come to symbolize the ultimate betrayal. However, for Brutus, it wasn't about betrayal, it was about the greater good of Rome. A decision that would change the course of history and seal Brutus's own fate. Precisely. The assassination did not have the desired effect of restoring the Republic. Instead, it plunged Rome into further turmoil and civil wars, leading to the end of the Republic and the rise of the Roman Empire. The Ides of March then marks not just the death of Caesar, but the death of the Republic Brutus so dearly loved. A tragic irony. The aftermath of Caesar's assassination was far from the clean slate for the Republic that Brutus and his fellow conspirators had envisioned. Instead, it plunged Rome into a new chapter of chaos and conflict. So, what was Brutus's role in this turbulent period? Immediately after the assassination, Brutus and the other conspirators found themselves not hailed as liberators as they had hoped, but rather vilified by many. They had underestimated the backlash from Caesar's supporters and the general populace. A miscalculation with severe consequences. Indeed. In the wake of Caesar's death, Brutus initially tried to sway public opinion. He and the other conspirators addressed the public, attempting to justify their actions as a defense of Roman liberty. However, their words fell on many deaf ears. And what about the political situation? 
How did that unfold? The political landscape was chaotic. The Senate, in an attempt to quell the unrest, granted amnesty to the assassins and even endorsed some of their actions. But this was more a political maneuver than a genuine reconciliation. A precarious balance then? Very much so. Meanwhile, Caesar's allies, particularly Mark Antony and Octavian, Caesar's adopted son and heir, were maneuvering to fill the power vacuum. Brutus found himself increasingly sidelined in the political machinations that followed. So, he was losing his grip on the situation? In many ways, yes. Brutus left Rome for a while, traveling to Greece where he began gathering support and building his army. He understood that the conflict for control of Rome would inevitably lead to military confrontation. Preparing for the inevitable then. Exactly. Along with Cassius, another key conspirator, Brutus became a central figure in the opposing forces to Mark Antony and Octavian. This period marked his transformation from a senator and philosopher to a military leader. A transformation driven by necessity it seems. Absolutely. Brutus's actions after the assassination reveal a man struggling to navigate a rapidly changing political landscape, one that was becoming increasingly hostile to his ideals. His efforts were focused on rallying support for the Republican cause, a cause that was losing ground day by day. A tragic trajectory for someone who had hoped to revive the Republic. Tragic indeed Marco. And it all leads to the ultimate confrontation at the Battle of Philippi. The final chapter of Brutus's life is as dramatic and poignant as the rest of his story. The stage for this last act is set at the Battle of Philippi in 42 BC. This was the decisive moment for Brutus and the Republican cause, wasn't it? Absolutely Marco. The Battle of Philippi in Macedonia was where the forces of Brutus and Cassius clashed with those of Mark Antony and Octavian. It was more than a battle, it was a fight for the future of Rome. And Brutus was at the center of it all. Indeed. The battle was fought in two phases. In the first, Brutus led his forces to a tactical victory against Octavian's troops, while Cassius, mistakenly believing their cause was lost, committed suicide. A mixed outcome for Brutus then. Bitterly so. The death of Cassius was a significant blow. But Brutus, undeterred, prepared for the second phase of the battle. He managed to rally his troops and fought with the determination of a man who knew the stakes. But it wasn't enough, was it? Sadly, no. Despite his efforts, the tide turned against him. Brutus's forces were overwhelmed by the combined might of Antony and Octavian. Realizing that defeat was imminent and unwilling to be captured, Brutus made a fateful decision. His final act of defiance. Exactly. Brutus chose to end his own life. It was a tragic end to a man who had devoted his life to the ideals of the Republic. His last words, as reported by ancient sources, were a testament to his enduring commitment to those ideals. What were those words? He reportedly said, I shall at least die with the satisfaction that I have not betrayed my friends. This statement reflects the core of Brutus's character, his sense of honor, loyalty, and commitment to his principles. A poignant end for a figure who has remained enigmatic through the ages. Brutus's death marked not only the end of his own story but also the symbolic end of the Roman Republic. It paved the way for the rise of the Roman Empire under Octavian, later known as Augustus. From a hopeful young senator to a tragic figure of history. Brutus's journey is a stark reminder of the complexities of power, loyalty, and idealism. Indeed Marco.
As we reflect on the life and death of Brutus, it's important to consider the lasting impact he has had on history, literature, and political thought. Brutus has certainly become a symbol, but what exactly does he symbolize? That's a great question, Marco. Over the centuries, Brutus has been portrayed in various lights. To some, he's a hero of republicanism, a martyr who stood up against tyranny for the sake of the Roman Republic. His actions have been seen as the ultimate sacrifice for the greater good. But there's another side to that coin, isn't there? Indeed, there is. To others, Brutus represents the ultimate betrayal, not just personally to Caesar but also to the idea of stability and order. His assassination of Caesar is seen as a catalyst that plunged Rome into further chaos and ultimately led to the demise of the republic he aimed to protect. So, his legacy is quite controversial. Absolutely. And this duality is reflected in literature and art. Shakespeare's Julius Caesar, for example, presents Brutus as a complex character, driven by honor and idealism, but also plagued by doubt and moral dilemmas. He's more than just a historical figure, he's a symbol of ethical complexity. Exactly. And in political thought, Brutus has been a figure of debate for centuries. Philosophers and political leaders have grappled with the ethical implications of his actions. Was he justified in killing Caesar? Does the end justify the means? These questions remain relevant in discussions about political power and morality. Brutus's story then serves as a timeless lesson. Indeed, it does. His life and actions have been interpreted in various ways depending on the context. In the Renaissance, he was often celebrated as a hero of liberty. In more modern contexts, he is sometimes seen as a cautionary tale about the dangers of extremism in politics. It seems Brutus, the man, has become Brutus, the idea. Precisely Marco. The story of Brutus challenges us to think about the nature of power, loyalty, and the fine line between heroism and villainy. It's a narrative that continues to resonate, compelling us to question and reflect upon our own values and the complexities of the human condition. A fitting end to our dive into the life of Marcus Junius Brutus. A figure who centuries later still has the power to fascinate, inspire, and provoke debate. Thank you listeners for joining us on this journey through history. We hope Brutus's story has given you food for thought and a deeper appreciation for the intricate tapestry of human history. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share the History AI podcast. Your support helps us keep exploring the fascinating stories of the past. Until next time, keep pondering the past and remember, history isn't just about dates and facts, it's about understanding the human story. See you in the next episode. Step into the thrilling world of sports betting with The Starting Line, an introduction to sports betting. Whether you're a beginner or simply curious, this comprehensive guide takes you from the basics to the advanced. Learn to decode odds, develop winning strategies, and bet responsibly. Get your copy now and transform every game into an adventure. The Starting Line is your first step towards mastering the art of sports betting. Available on Amazon.